Hello, everybody. Today, we are doing a portrait drawing demo focusing on expressive color. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Jordan, you've got a reference photo up here. And if you want to draw along with us, everybody, the link to the reference photos is in the YouTube video description below. So Jordan, how about you get going and I will explain how we are going to do this draw along. Okay. I have here these reference images that I prepared in advance. So you can see the reference photo, the original one, is on the left-hand side. And on the right-hand side is me tweaking the photo to create unrealistic, more unusual colors. And this is a really good exercise because I think oftentimes it doesn't occur to people to tweak the reference photo to be closer to what they want the artwork to look like. Because sure, I could take the reference photo on the left-hand side and just say to myself, okay, I want to make her blue. But hey, if I could make the reference photo blue, it just takes that step away and it's closer. Like I've had reference photos where I knew it was going to be a charcoal drawing. And so I took the color photo and made it black and white. Because Jordan, why not? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I think one thing that we as artists could all get better at is experimenting. And I don't expect to see anyone in the comments talking about wet charcoal for me or anything like that. But um, uh, for this, what I want to do is change the color. Uh, I have one reference that's blue and one that's purple, and I actually started erasing the top photo. So now it's blending the colors. And I think I'm going to try that a couple of times just to see what ends up happening. So now my reference is looking like this, and then this um and I'm, I'm i have no idea what the results are going to be but i'm kind of enjoying this this is fun well you're doing something way more sophisticated than what i did <laughs> i just took the photo <laughs> i just put it into my phone and just did it in my phone so i mean certainly if you're much better at digital media than i am you can do that but i think it is really nice that you can just do something really simple in your phone to make that happen well i think also part of it is because i don't spend a lot of time doing photo editing in photoshop ironically so uh <laughs> so i'm just like making up my own rules with uh with my artwork here um let's see if it makes sure i can show you the reference the same size uh see that's so cool. That would never have occurred to me to just adjust one section. Oh, really? No, because I just did it in my phone. I, I didn't do anything like that. Oh. Yeah, well, uh, I'm doing something different then. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, let me get the border of my image now. Okay, I think I'm ready to draw. Let's figure this out. Dun, 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 dun. Tell us in the chat who's going to draw along with us. And remember, you don't have to draw what we're drawing. 
if you want to work on something else, it's totally fine. And by the way, everybody, I did these color studies before the stream, and you'll see that the bottom is alcohol markers. The top is water-based markers. And I'm so glad I picked the water-based markers because they're just so much more vibrant for some reason. Although maybe I just didn't pick good colors down here. <clears throat> but that's why these color thumbnails are really worth it because I did these in about five minutes and it was really a good preview for how I want to do it. And the way I'm gonna approach it, I'm gonna divide it up between mostly reds and yellows and then everything else is gonna be green. Even the shadows are gonna be done with green. And so sometimes that's a really helpful thing too is to determine in advance, okay, what is the plan for my references? For me, I'm just trying to figure out how to draw this face. <laughs> <laughs> My approach today, yeah, Jordan, is screw the face. I'm just going to toss down super sloppy pockets of color and hope it works out. I think I'm just neurotic when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, Are you? I'm trying to think paint it a little bit. I'm trying to be looser and think about just uh shadows and, and light shapes this isn't normally how i would approach something like this but considering the prompt mm -hmm. i figured this would be a good time to practice it well my portrait looks like a big chunk of american cheese <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah nice huh american cheese specifically that's funny. i don't know it's that like neon orange cheese <laughs> I don't think I've ever. Are you talking about like cheddar cheese, like that kind of color? Yeah, whatever cheese is bright fluorescent. Ah, uh, okay. You know who I remember being obsessed with cheese? I'm sure you know this character, Steve Urkel. Oh gosh! <laughs> Everybody remember <laughs> Urkel? Oh dear. He was great. I love Steve Urkel. And there's oh one, there's, I don't know if it was one line in particular, one episode, but he would just be like, Diamond Cheese. <laughs> he would just ask like oh, that. God. I loved it. Clementine says, I'm drawing along. So guilty, just using my imagination to shift the hue, even though I literally do everything digitally. Well, give it a shot, Clementine. Because you know what, Jordan, anything I can do to make my life easier, I am totally on board. Yeah, we overcomplicate things for some reason. I know I do, specifically. Um, but I think that's part of what, um, I, I think sometimes that's what makes art enjoyable is when you can almost skip steps because you've done it so many times. like. For example, someone who's been figure drawing for a long time may not have to start using the same exact method as everyone else. They might be more comfortable with direct drawing versus you know laying in the full sketch. And it could save time and it could be fun. So I, I like discovering new things like that. Well, and sometimes, Jordan, people will say to me, oh, isn't that cheating? I'm like, it's not cheating. The only thing that's cheating is plagiarism. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's very easy to spot typically. I've heard, I've seen and heard some really messed up things when it comes to plagiarism. Thank you so much, RB Dick, for the super sticker. We so appreciate your support. Keep those coming, everybody. Every little bit helps. Manette says, feeling stumped lately, even though there are a few projects I want to work on. So right now I have a couple books about impressionism out. I think art books are a great segue into just spending some time on something else, but that's related to your studio practice. You love art books, Jordan. I have a whole collection. You guys can't really see much of my bookshelf, but there is a lot of them. And they're actually, some of them are at my mom's house. I can't even, I don't even have access to all the art books I actually own, <laughs> but I, I obsess over them. Um, that is probably my favorite tax right off. Um, it's actually, it's absolutely great. <laughs> Well, I have this Norman Rockwell book of his reference photos, and it's brilliant. Somebody in the community bought it for me, and I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. But books relax me in a way that reading something online does not. Well, for me, when it comes to art books, at least, I don't even think about whether or not I have the physical or digital copy half the time because I just want to see the art. And um, I actually, some art books I do have a PDF of because I'm always, if I'm going somewhere, for example, I don't want to have to carry that big lug around all the time. Right. Um, or if I want to color pick something just to see what they're doing, um, then that's super helpful. I'm going to take some progress shots. I'm going to post these later in the discord by the way we are doing a stage session after and that's where you get to chat with us on voice so that will be really fun how'd hey, you do hey, that Claire, so fast i do what that it's like i blinked and there's a fit that always happens you never look up from your work during the stream <laughs> i know i but, can't well, I, I mean, to answer your question, though, and I'm really just thinking of this in terms of shape and color and, and light, though. So instead of seeing this just as a pure face, like I would if I were drawing it, I'm looking at the chin having the reddish hue and then the top of the face being more purple, this portion of the chest being more blue. And I'm just getting the basic um, interpretation of color. And then I'll go in and I'll change the values up and fix that up. So we'll see how far I get. I don't know how many of these I'll be doing, but uh, we're going to try it out. We'll see. I don't know. I kind of like it just like that as a quick thumbnail. You know what I mean? Oh, really? I, I kind of want to take this a little bit further. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. I don't know. It's not going to be a fully rendered thing that you're going to see right. in a portfolio necessarily. But uh, I want to at least get more structure in the face and stuff. Because what? Tell us in the chat, everybody, who here has done color thumbnails? Because I think the thing about thumbnails, sometimes people will just do a quick pencil sketch, and, and that's fine. But there is value to doing a color thumbnail. And you do them all the time, right? 
Yeah, I do them a lot. And actually, I learned it from Pixar because Pixar films always color script their, their films. They, they will lay the entire thing out just like a storyboard, except it's the color and it'll tell a whole story. For example, uh, have you seen the movie Up, Clara? Yep. Mm -hmm. So in that movie, if you look really closely at that opening scene, the colors are very specific. Um, they start out as more kind of grayish and black and white when they're in the short film. And then it gets to being all happy when he's a kid, he has, has his married life. And then when they find out that, you know, they, they're not out able to have kids and, you know, Ellie's dying and stuff like that, then it starts going gray and they just, they tell a whole story just with color. And so um, it, I think it's incredibly important and it, it really helps to make a film or a project feel more well-rounded and thought out if you can pull that off. <laughs> Amanda says, I haven't done color thumbnails. I just jive, dive in. Pim says, I have. It always turns out better when I do them. Well, I never really did color palettes, but I just feel more prepared when there's a color study. Sometimes when you go mm -hmm. from a line pencil sketch right into full painting, it's just too big of a leap for me. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I mean, even like, so, so one of the things I spend my, the most time coloring lately is just characters, but I did the colors already. And once I laid those down, I don't really have to worry about it or think the same way again, unless there's a very specific scenario where they have different costumes or something like that. And, um, you know, so now it's easier to lay out, but when I was thinking about it, that was a challenge. I was really spending a lot of time doing color and, um, and for my class, I actually had two classes that were doing color for their characters, and uh, they're they're having a hard time every once in a while. Well, I'm thinking about thumbnails a lot today because we just did a workshop on composition in thumbnails, and it was such a productive workshop because it was just very focused. Like I think sometimes with thumbnails people feel very angsty to get to the final drawing and doing the thumbnails just feels like you're delaying things. But it's, it's awesome when you go into the final painting, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so prepared. You know, I remember being your student and uh, you getting on people when they had better thumbnails than final piece. And you'd be like, why didn't you do it this this one? And they'd be like, uh, and it was very evident that they did the thumbnails after the final piece. Oh, I know. I could not believe people did that. I was like, you yeah. are so missing the point. Just try it and let's figure out why you think they're not relevant. I just that that just baffled me. It just was so against everything we were trying to learn together. I think it's just the concern of can I get the final piece done? I think that was really it. I don't think it was meant to be a slight or you know, them trying to miss the point. I think it was just them trying to go, how am I going to complete all of this work uh, in such a short time? Because that's, you know, at least for me, you were, and, uh, I was your student as a freshman and we're just yeah, learning yeah. this stuff. It's, you know, so I, I think it had more to do with that, but you're totally right. Because um, now I see stuff like that and I'm like, why did you do this? <laughs> what was the thought process? Help me understand. 
Well, you've been on the other side of the fence now because you're teaching. Yeah. And they and I love my students. Every once in a while, they make decisions. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's let's reevaluate. <laughs> Jane says, "Love doing pencil thumbnails, especially when I want to tweak the composition beyond my first inclination of a piece. Gives you more options to consider." Yes, and also when you make a compositional change in the thumbnail, it takes like one minute. If you want to move things over and you're doing the final piece, that's just not easy to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Anna says, don't really do thumbnails the way you define them, but I do detailed oil pastel studies in color for my big paintings. Yeah, I mean, everybody has their own way of preparing for their pieces, depends on your practice. But I think, Jordan, what I do see most of the time when people haven't had a lot of training is you just start the final piece. I would die yeah. if you asked me to do that. I would have like a total cardiac arrest meltdown. Yeah, it's not, I wouldn't advise doing that because it's um it's too final it's too final and too early to make a decision like the group of them that you're going to be making for a final piece because last thing you want is to be spending 18 hours on a painting and then realizing oh man i should have moved that tree to the left four inches you know that things like that is is way more heartbreaking and i assume we think we're smarter than we are when we start a project like that but yeah let me tell you guys don't do it start with something simple and less time consuming. Well, the other thing too, is it, we're not saying you can't make changes on the final piece, which is why if I'm doing an oil painting, I spend a while just sketching. I, I don't actually start blocking in color until I feel like it's working because you have to leave room for some spontaneity. Right. Uh, Jeez, I cannot believe this green. This is so not what I usually do. <laughs> What's up with the green? I'm, am I missing something? Well, it's just, I'm not used to doing portraits with this kind of color. Most of the time when I do portraits, it's fairly realistic color. Oh, I see. It was your idea to do this. <laughs> I know. It's your trap. <laughs> Yeah. You, know, you know, it's funny, guys. Whenever we decide to do a particular uh, draw along, I usually just get a message from Clara and be like, we're doing this on Sunday. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and then half the time, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, like that, that happened today. I was like, I asked her right before the stream started, like, what are we doing? <laughs> How's this going to work? Oh, okay. I got it. I know. People have said to me, like they'll know us and then work with us in some way so they see the behind the scenes and one person was like yeah you guys look like such a tight ship and now that I'm on the other side of the fence i realize what chaos it is that's <laughs> how it always is it's disguised chaos but it's fun it's fun disguised chaos i'm not stressing out the same way i would be at some other places like you guys for real, Jordan asked me 10 minutes before the stream. He's like, what are we doing?
just had to be clear. Just had to make sure. I just, just had to make sure what we were doing. Make sure we're we're yeah. prepared. We are. <laughs> By the way, everybody, you can see in my reference photo. I'll pull that up right now. In my reference photo, the color image on the right, there are some really dark passages in the hair. And sure, I could use black. But isn't it way more fun to add this really intense green? Because it, it has the effect of black, but somehow it's better than straight black. Have you seen that with digital, Jordan? Oh, yeah. I actually do my best to avoid using black in general. Um, like, even if it's got, even if it's very close, like right now, this color is seven, it's, it's a seven on the uh, light to dark scale. So it's a very, very, very dark purple. <laughs> but, right. um, you, you know, so I, I prefer to go in and make sure that that's not happening because blacks, especially if you're talking about printing it, it's going to really stand out a little too much and uh, it's going to mess you up. It's going to mess y'all up. Don't do it. I mean, my go-to for black is usually a deep, dark purple. Purple just inherently has more value to it. But because I'm trying to do this orangey, red-green color scheme, I'm using the green. And in some spots, yeah, it looks black. But it, it's like you get just that little hint, that little bit of spice to the color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pur purple is my favorite color, so I, I definitely will use purple. I mean, I think the only time I actually have black straight out and I'm working digitally or traditionally is for line work. That's really it. And that's that's not necessarily 100% uh, yeah. of the time. I might change the color of the light. That's really it. It depends on what you're doing. But even with line work sometimes, actually my kid was doing pencil drawing the other day and she asked me for some pens and all I had was a brown micron. But it's, it's a nice change of pace because don't you think even with like very fine line work, it is different to have a brown line versus a black line. Yeah, you'll see it a lot in finished illustrations. Um, and I'm actually kind of enamored by the way some people use uh, those types of colors for their line work. Cause I pretty much exclusively use black line, but when I look at someone that uses a dark brown or an orange, I'm like, oh, this is this is nice. Like this is very pretty. And and then I think about it and I'm like, but I'm not doing it for mine. And I don't have a reason for it. I just I just don't choose to. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. even know why. And and that's fine. Everybody has their own way of doing things. I mean, I oftentimes look at people who paint and I'm like, oh, that looks so cool. And I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Brian is asking, is it difficult to make a full-time career being an artist? Oh, um, depends what you want to do. Um, first off, any career is that's worth having is going to be difficult because it's a skill-based career, right? Um, a lot of people, a lot of people may choose to do something that doesn't require as much skill, um, and no shade to them. But you know, I used to work at Jamba Juice. Realistically, that did not take a whole lot of skill. 
Um, I just need to memorize the smoothies, know what the, the difference between small, medium, and large was, and sweep up and stuff. Uh, but something like art, where it takes years of practice to uh, to figure out and learn and have your own voice and things like that, it's naturally going to be more challenging. So whether you're trying to have your own gallery space, whether you're trying to work for a studio, or whether you're trying to teach, you have to have that ready to go at all times. Um, so yes, it's difficult, but I would also say it's worth it at the same time. To play devil's advocate. <laughs> Being a full-time artist may not be as glamorous as you think it is. I get a lot of questions about it, and people sometimes see that as a reflection of how good of an artist they are. Like, oh, if I'm full-time, I must be a really good artist. And, you know, if that's true, I'm not a good artist because <laughs> I'm not a full-time artist. Mm. I don't just work in my studio practice. Mm -hmm. I do this. I mean, this is another form mm -hmm. of creative expression. But a lot of being a full-time artist is business and marketing. I mean, Jordan, when I look at my time, yeah. I think 80% of my time is marketing and business. Only 20% am I actually making art. Yeah, that's 100% true. Actually, I went to Lightbox Expo in Pasadena in October. And I went to a panel with some very famous YouTubers and digital artists that you guys might know. Um, Ross Draws. Sam does art and Loish, and there's one other person, but I can't remember her name, so I didn't recognize her. Um, but they were all saying, and they're very, very successful, millions of subscribers, all that stuff. And they all said they wish they could go back to the beginning of their art career where no one really knew them um, because it was less stress. They didn't have to do as many administrative things because they the reason they got into it was just to draw stuff. And now they're at such a place where that's not quite their life anymore. And they all kind of lament that on some level, despite their success. Um, so yeah, you have to be able to determine what it is that you really want to do. And, and quite honestly, there's many people who start out, I actually had dinner with a guy a couple months ago. He was in concept art and then he just later stopped and he became a florist. He was like, I'm done, oh. I don't wanna do concept art he just like i changed direction he still loves art he still plays video games still respects the community and the, all that stuff and has lots of contacts but he's like this isn't for me and he spent he went to art school and everything he spent his whole life you know having that sort of career and uh, or preparing for it and he just decided last second like nah for me not really not really going for it the marketing stuff can just kill you i mean i have days where i'm like oh, my head is just spinning and I just wish I could just sit and do stuff. But the fact of the matter is being a full-time artist, people think, oh, it's awesome. You just draw all day. No, you don't. <laughs> Most of being an artist is thinking. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is not as glamorous as people think it is. So, you know what I actually think, Jordan? I think being a full-time artist is a lifestyle choice. Yeah, it is. I mean, for me, I'll be honest, I don't think I could physically do anything else, meaning I don't think I could do something other than art and enjoy my life at the same extent. Now, don't get me wrong. I definitely have my days where I'm tired. Like, I'm exhausted right now. You guys just started another job and, you know, doing art profit. I'm doing teaching. And I'm tired, but I would still rather do this than something that I hate for a living. And that's just kind of the, the price that I pay for it. Um, and you just have to be able to determine what it is that you can handle because there's no job that's 100% perfect. You just have to know what kind of crap you can deal with. 
Yeah. No, it's definitely... Sorry to be depressing you guys, but it's pick your poison. Yeah. Yeah. That said, though, I will say that now, if you want to become a full-time artist, it's probably the best time in the history of the world to be that. Because oh, it there is. Are so yeah. Many opportunities for you got for for you to put yourself out there to get people to see your work. You don't have to be hired by all these rich people, although I'm sure that would be nice uh, to to make twenty thousand dollars off a of painting or whatever. Um, you know, so so if now if you're really certain that that's what you want to do, this is the perfect time. Start up an Instagram, start up a YouTube channel, start up an Etsy shop, whatever it is that you need to do to get that off the ground because it's a great time for that well jordan what i hated about being in the gallery scene when i was in academia i just hated waiting for other people's approval it just drives you crazy yeah. and now with social media it's like no you don't have to wait for anybody's approval you can put your stuff out there today and it's yeah actually do i mean it's hard i'm not saying it's easy necessarily but I mean, I, I don't know how anybody had an art career before the internet. I just, how do people do that? <laughs> I think everyone was relying on other industries. Like I know in my field, um, that's animation, concept art. That's what everyone relied on was um, was other people's, you know, go like other people's approval. And uh, it was very challenging because there wasn't a lot of resources to learn how to do this stuff. So I know, you know, I look up to those guys in a lot of ways. And half of them didn't even go to art school, which is crazy. Right. Sentient says, fun to watch. I don't think I've seen Jordan work in this style before. Oh, probably not. Um, pa painting is one of those things where it's like... Um, it's like the twin brother you love to hate, I guess. I don't have a twin or a brother or a sister for that matter. But uh, <laughs> I imagine that's what uh, that's what <laughs> it's like. And so I tend to um, just focus on line more than anything because I enjoy it more. But for the purposes of this, you know, I'll do something uh, a little bit more painterly, I guess. Actually, there is one thing I want to do with this. Martini says, any dark color that isn't black is better than using black. I love using dark purples or browns. So does Craze Stupid. And yeah, <laughs> that's a great I, name. I think <laughs> that's a nice profile name. Um, yeah, purple, it, it sort of always works. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. not every single time, but for the most part, it's a pretty safe choice in terms of yeah. blacks. I use it all the time for uh, shadows for my characters too. I just realized the channel is way too small. <laughs> Vanessa says, my own personal drama is to not use so many expressive colors at a time. Yeah, it depends on the type of artist you are. I mean... Lauren pretty much breathes expressive colors. And, and for me, th this isn't easy. This is not something that comes naturally to me. So it depends on the artist. I mean, what's been your 
take on color? Did you find it hard to learn like me or not? I found it very difficult until I took one particular class at RISD, um, uh-huh. actually. And it was, um, and it just helped me understand how color is relative in every scenario. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't fully grasp when they're thinking about color because y- y- you know you you see something and it looks beautiful and it looks so colorful. What most people don't realize is there's only like three, make, make two main colors in it and the rest is just little bits of <laughs> uh, random randomness everywhere that doesn't overwhelm. And so, um, I don't know, I, I like bright saturated colors. I like colorful things. When I was work, when I was doing my colors for shadow boxers, that was something that was really important to me to make sure I had that type of influence. Um, and uh, yeah, just just ended up working out. I have a very long, complicated history <laughs> with color. Uh oh. I just tell was us, really bad at it. I was so bad at it that I had a teacher say to me. Clara, you have an eye for gray. I, I just was like crushed when he said that to me. I was so upset. He was yeah. right. Yeah, I can understand that. I was I was told one time that I was great with color by suck at value or something like that. Um, Ouch. Or maybe it was vice versa. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, it hurt a lot. I know exactly who said it too, but <laughs> I still remember it. And I've yet to Tell see us my in the chat. This individual. What is your personal history with color? Is it something that comes fairly easy to you? Or are you like me? I mean, I practically feel like I have a learning disability when it comes to color. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I think there was a day where it just clicked. And um, I guess I guess one thing I do... It really only, I'll admit, this is really kind of only applied to the Western world. But once I started learning the psychology of color, meaning what it represented to other people, that really started to affect the way I did things. Because uh, we all associate color with certain stuff. Like, for example, at least in America, when you wear all black, usually you're going to a funeral or you're mourning. Um, if you're, you know, if a, some, if a woman is wearing all white, an all white dress in a particular venue, it could mean that she's getting married. Or maybe if you're wearing all red, it could be a symbol of this and that. And every culture has their own interpretation of it. And as I started thinking more on those lines, things really started shifting. Yeah, and it's interesting that color has so many different interpretations based on the culture. Because in Asian culture, the color you wear at a funeral is white. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was actually bringing that up in my class a couple of weeks ago because we did a color lecture and I was explaining how, at least in the West, white would represent purity, truth, beginnings, and black usually represents power or sometimes death. But did you see Wakanda Forever, Clara? I did it. Not yet. I want to see it. Okay. So this isn't really a spoiler, but obviously Chadwick Boseman passed away and um, they had to address that in the film. And the colors that they wore for the funeral, and you can even see in the trailer, were all white. And I asked my right. class, like, why do you think that they had the funeral colors white? And uh, someone said, well, because their symbol of power was black, a Black Panther. That was their thing. So it would make sense that the complementary opposite would be their color for mourning. Um, oh. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Anna says, color is my favorite thing in my world and probably my favorite thing in making and teaching art. Pim says, I love color. It definitely comes much more easily to me than value work. I'm the opposite. Value, I'm like, we're best friends. We, we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be me. I never wanted to just be that. Struggled a lot. Clementine says, it's like I love color, but color doesn't love me. And I'm really stubborn, so I keep going until it works. Amanda says, I was so scared of color for the longest time. Yeah, a lot of people find color very intimidating. Have you seen that, Jordan? Uh, myself, definitely. Because I, I used to do a lot of monochromatic stuff until I learned color. Um, that was my whole thing. If you guys looked at were to see my portfolio at like 20, 21 years old, it was all black and white. It's just because I was too intimidated. I didn't understand it. And um, so, yeah, it's 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 one of those things that can definitely be overcome, but you have to be willing to put in that effort and start trying to see things a slightly different way. Um, that's the only way I know that that works. Well, so I'm curious, Jordan, there's, you mentioned the psychology of color, but there's also color theory. And people oftentimes associate color theory with really boring color charts and all this super mm. technical stuff. But number one, doesn't have to be that way. That's not how we teach it. And number two, it, it is worth learning. Do you think? Yeah, I think everything is worth learning. Whether or not you have to use it again or do it again is a different scenario altogether. Um, I, for example, um, wet charcoal. I've done it before. I learned <laughs> something. And one of the things I've learned is I do not like it. But yep. the experience, you, you know, taught me something. And so um, just like with color theory, I think it's I think it's very valuable for people to, to learn um, and, uh, and just see what it's all about. And uh, I mean, quite honestly, no one likes the fundamentals. Matter of fact, Muhammad Ali, he said, that he hated every minute of training, but he never missed one. Because <laughs> that's what makes you the best, right? The the best artists, yeah. the best athletes, they all do the fundamentals. Like, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on a live stream somewhere, but the, mo the NBA player with the most missed shots in history is Kobe Bryant. And um, he's also one of the top scorers. He's, he's in the top yeah. 10, I think. But he stuck to the fundamentals so much. Like he would practice thousands of three-point shots a day in off-season and on-season. He would just and he would work harder than anybody else, and that's why he reached the level that he was at. Same with the Michael Jackson. Same with uh, you know any director or writer. That's what they do. Well, you can't be afraid to mess up. I mean, a common thing for artists is people say, well, I, I'm so worried it's not gonna come out. And we all have that fear, of course. Nobody here wants to make bad work if they can help it. But the thing is, right. you have to be willing to make bad work because the bad work is a part of the process. Yeah, um, Chuck Jones, if I remember correctly, he said, we all have 10,000 bad drawings in us. The sooner we get them out, the better. And um, I, I kind of like that philosophy. and. Yeah, and if you could find that type of thinking in everyone, like Bruce Lee also has a quote, 
He said, I fear not the man who has done uh, 1,000 kicks. Uh, I fear the man who has done one kick. Or no, I fear not the man who has done 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who has done one kick 10,000 times. That's what he said. Um, Brilliant. And again, it just goes, it's it's the same kind of thinking that goes into like the 2,500 challenge. It's exactly where it comes from. And, uh, and I didn't even create it. That's coming from <laughs> the one who did invent that. And so, um, yeah, that that's the kind of mindset I recommend having when it comes to any venture, whether it's art or something else. Well, sometimes people ask me advice about YouTube and they oftentimes say, well, I need to make sure I have all these things lined up and I have to be good at this. I'm like, you're not going to be good at it in the beginning. You have to pump out a lot of terrible videos. We did. We still are. <laughs> we still have videos that flop for one reason or another. And, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But it, it's like, Jordan, think about how much better we are now than we used to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know who also I heard saying something like that was Mr. Beast. And Mr. Beast has the biggest YouTube channel on the planet. <laughs> He's, he talks about how many bad videos he I never watched a single video of his. I don't know what his content's like. But I do know he's massive. <laughs> and so yeah. it's, this, it's that kind of line of thinking. Great, Carolyn. Definitely got bad work down today trying this watercolor. It's a disaster. I know the feeling. <laughs> I like this comment from Vanessa. In my case, has to do with where I live. Brazil, close to nature, close enough to nature. Everything is luxuriously colored from birds to flowers. Everything is so full of color here. That's so true. When I went to Portugal last spring, I was like, oh my gosh, they have like creamsicle orange buildings. Like in the US, everything's gray or concrete. Like we don't have pink buildings in the US. Mm -hmm. I was like a little bit jealous because it's like seeing all that pink in the city. It, it changes how you feel, your mood. You know, the only time I've seen uh, uh, places that are brightly painted like that in America is, uh, is an individual's home. Like I was driving somewhere yesterday and uh, is a landmark location for me. And I know to make the left turn, not necessarily because of the street sign, but because there's a pink house on the corner. It's pink. It's like a pinking. Actually, the pink and green exactly that you see on my screen is exactly the house. <laughs> That's what it looks oh, like. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And it's kind of bizarre looking, admittedly, but it's a landmark, you know, and I still and I appreciate it. I mean, the architecture in the U.S., I feel like it's so gray that when you do see a brightly colored house, it, it almost looks bad in a way because mm. it doesn't fit. But I, I yeah. wish we had pink buildings in the U.S. It'd be really nice. You know what I've always been fascinated by is, in terms of a visual is the favelas in Rio de Janeiro. Um, they're yeah. all so brilliantly colored. And I just, I love it. I love looking at images of that. I know it's not all, I mean, there's, there's a lot of opinions on it <laughs> about whether right. or not people like that particular area. But from the outside looking in, it looks beautiful. I feel like my person is too yellow. I need to get more. I, I'm a little worried because the value range, it's so dark. So I'm sort of worried if I put too much 
of this orange in here it's gonna kill it but i don't like the yellow the yellow is sort of killing me right now you know what she kind of looks like to me what is a uh, robin from stranger things which one's robin Remember robin robin was the one who worked with steve at the um ice cream <gasps> right oh yeah she does <laughs> a little bit yeah she's um she's one of my thurman's daughter right yes yes exactly i think she's one of the best parts of the show personally she's hilarious Steve really grew on me. Like, he was sort of just a blatant jerk for a while, but they did a good job developing his character, don't you think? Oh, I love Steve. He's definitely, I love every scene that he's in. And uh, he was, you know, he was supposed to die in the first season. He was supposed to be really? the one-off boyfriend. Yeah, but they they decided, I don't, I don't think they liked Joe Curie's performance so much that they just decided to extend him. Um, and they adjusted his character and he became one of the most likable characters in the series and especially his relationship with Dustin. I absolutely love it. I, every moment they're on screen, I'm like, please, let's just continue this. And I, I know they're planning a spinoff. I don't know what it's about. Apparently only one person has even guessed what it's about, but I'm like, please let it be Dustin and Steve just hanging out. I would love that. Aww. <laughs> yeah. They're really cute together. Be a great show. Oh, I People like this. Like, Seven Angelic says, in my town, they've started sponsoring murals to cover all the cement, so things have gotten very colorful. I like that. Oh, that's awesome. That's a really cool idea. Amanda says, I have a trailer close to where I live that is green and purple pinstripes. It is not pretty <laughs> to look like. <laughs> well, I think I've mentioned to some of you this horrible rainbow whale sculpture that is sort of close to where I live. And it just, it's such an eyesore, even though it's really bright colors. So there is such a thing as just terribly placed dark colors. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to be able to read colors correctly because sometimes they're not always the best. I remember one time I was on. You go. Oh, I was going to say, I remember one time um, I was with my family and I was trying to teach them how to use color um, on my iPad and I was doing this character and and I had them pick the colors and I swear it looked like what I imagine Willy Wonka's dreams looks like. It's just, it was just so many pops of random colors. It looked like the, you know, the, remember the everlasting gobstopper from the Gene Wilder version? It looked like yes, that yes. when it exploded. It was so, I was like, that could work. But how about we take away like 80% of what you just did? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It, it, hey. One of them was my 90-year-old great-aunt, and the other was my 12-year-old cousin. So they, I don't think they were offended, but they were just like, they are just trying to figure out what it was that I was doing. And right, they just right. were not great at guessing, I guess. So <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Oh, dear. Clementine says one children's hospital that had a red swirl design that looked like blood oh my gosh (laughs) oh that's gross that's horrible artist zena says there's a pink house down the street 
He also painted his roof pink and has a pink driveway. Bubblegum pink is his favorite color. That's hilarious. <laughs> Sentian says, I've been avoiding posting reels. Finally just gave myself permission to post bad reels for a little while. If you guys want to feel better about yourselves, go back and watch our old videos. You'll be feeling amazing <laughs> when you see the duds. Because our first shorts were terrible because I didn't really understand what it was I was trying to do. Like, I didn't understand what the whole format was, what was the point of it. I don't think I have it figured out necessarily, but I definitely know more. And so if you look at those old reels, you'll see that I just did not know what I was doing. So you, you can hold that as a shining example of making terrible work. Oh my gosh. I feel like mine looks like Carrie, doesn't it? Carrie. I don't think I, I, I don't think I know what Carrie looks like specifically. I've heard of it. Never seen it. Wait, you've never seen Carrie the movie? No. Jordan. Does this really surprise you? With you? Yes. The, the classic horror movie. Like one of, it's like up there with the exorcist. I never seen the exorcist either. I don't like horror. Oh my god. Oh, you don't like horror? No, not really. Stranger Things is as far as I will go <laughs> when it comes to oh, yeah. stuff. I just, I just avoid it. I avoid it. And I don't even know if like Stranger Things is mostly horror. It's it, like it's it's more suspense thriller to me. But um but yeah, I I just don't do horror at all. Yeah, to me that's not really horror. It, it's sort of like suspense more, but I like horror movies yeah. a lot. Tell us in the chat who here likes horror movies. I just, I just get such a kick out of them. But the other thing too is I, I think because my parents wouldn't let me watch R-rated movies when I was a kid, it made me want to watch them more. Oh, I see. I understand that logic there. Makes sense. Yes. For, for me, my parents would let me watch certain things if they had seen it before. It's like The Matrix I saw at a very young age, maybe like eight or nine. Um, but that doesn't have a whole lot of stuff in it outside of the violence <laughs> right know? and uh and i was you know the stuff i was playing i was playing james bond games and stuff i was used to seeing people get shot <laughs> and and games and movies and stuff so it wasn't really a big deal well me on the other hand i'm like yeah you want to watch aliens go ahead <laughs> like, <laughs> my kid really really likes horror movies and nothing phases her, so we let her watch whatever she wants. Oh man, yeah, no, I I remember the first time I saw Thriller, and I was so freaked out. There was one. Oh day my god, me too. It really, it was it was at night, and I so my bedroom was right next to the laundry room, and in the laundry room we had our cases of water, and this is like two thousand four or something, and I remember. I, the door was open. I could see the water, but I was like, I'm not getting out of bed because the Michael Jackson world was going to come and attack me <laughs> or something. <laughs> it was just, I was so freaked out. I was like, mm -mm, I don't care how thirsty I am. And that, I, I must have been scared for weeks after that. It was terrifying. Okay, so let's share everybody what traumatized you as a child in terms of movies. Because for me, it was Superman 3. Superman 3, there's this part at the very end 
sorry, spoiler. Where all these like wires and things like wrap all over her face and her body, and it like turns her into this horrible robot. And her eyes are so I had nightmares about that for years. Like that, that was horrifying. Oh man. Um <laughs> oh, this one's gonna be a little embarrassing. Um <laughs> there's a movie. You're you're gonna laugh as soon as I tell you the title of the movie. Um it's called Elmo and Grouchland. And <laughs> what? I remember, yeah, Elmo, it's it's a Sesame Street movie, and I remember the movie, if I remember correctly, was about Elmo's favorite blanket being stolen by this dude. For And for some oh. reason, that was so traumatizing to me to see, like, someone stealing. And I was just crying because I was like, why did he do that? Elmo's so nice. And, like, I couldn't oh. figure it out. And so, so it's not traumatizing the way that I think you were talking about being scared, but I couldn't watch that movie ever again. And, <laughs> I'm sure now if I watched it, it'd be silly. But I was very little and i was like that's not fair <laughs> i did not get that at all yeah oh you know who else traumatized me was large marge in the peewee's big adventure movie that was terrifying uh, and i oh, I, I remember know. watching it with yeah. my brother and we just turned it off because we were so traumatized i don't know who that is at all large marge well, he's in a truck driving with Large Marge, and she's a live-action person, but then she turns into this horrible stop-motion thing, and her eyes pop out, and oh my god, that was awful! Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I think when I was a kid, I purposely didn't watch stuff that would have that reaction, because I was so sensitive yeah. <laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Uh... I don't think I have a whole lot of experience with dealing with a trauma in a film. Although I know the sixth sense creeped me out though. Um, really? The first time I saw it, that freaked me out. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was definitely under the age of 11 or 12 and that freaked me out. Just uh, the idea right. of, there's a scene where um, the boy, what's, what's the boy's name in that movie? It was Haley Joel Osment. I, I know it. Yeah. But whatever the little boy, he, he was walking in the kitchen and I guess the girls like just sitting there were, um, like standing there or something like that freaking him out and then he's in his fort with his with his uh bed sheets all over the place and then he looks over and the girl's like vomiting and oh like, yeah, yeah yeah like that freaked me out i was like oh like i, I couldn't that was horrible. I was like, mm -mm, i'm playing yeah my mom rented it one day i was like i'm i'm going to play video games now <laughs> like i'm out i checked out <laughs> we're done we're done here mom <laughs> Joe Nowhere says, I find horror movies funny. Never like them. This Thai movie called Shudder that terrified me. Also Chucky. I hate dolls because of him. I mean, some of them can be funny because they're just not scary. I watched It. It was not scary. I, I just found it Which one? ridiculous. Um, the you most talking about the Tim Curry? Or... Oh, okay. um, no, not the old one. The, the one that came out like a couple of years ago. I saw, well, okay. So now as an adult, and I understand a lot more. Like I, I don't think I'm as freaked out by those things. Um, they had a couple of jump scares that that got me. Um, but other than that, I was like, yeah, this is pretty silly. But honestly, there's a um, 
the Tim Curry version. I, I watched this guy on YouTube. His, his name is a Nostalgia Critic, and he reviewed that movie years ago, like the old one. And he was like, Tim Curry's a riot because he would just do the funniest things. And there's one scene where he's like sitting on a uh, banister in the library, and he just starts pulling his arm like this, and he goes, ha-ha, 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 ha-ha. He just keeps repeating that for no reason. <laughs> it, it's just, it's like, what is he doing? <laughs> Crispy says, Monty Python short where the guy explodes from eating a mint. Don't know if that counts, but it traumatized me as a child. Oh, I know exactly. That, that scene is so gross. It's yucky. Oh, yeah. Dark Crystal. That movie was scary. Not as in traumatizing scary for me, but it's scary. It's creepy. I don't know any of this stuff. It's probably good that I don't. Capital Letter says Last Unicorn. Martini says The Grudge. Akalai says War of the Worlds. Skeleton Bunny says Friday the 13th. Arachnophobia says A Scarf and Tea. Yes, we all have our childhood movie traumas. <laughs> Man. There are some things that aren't necessarily traumatizing for me, but there are some times where I need to take a break because I just am absorbing what I just saw. Like when I finished Breaking Bad for the first time, I needed a break. I was just like, I can't, <laughs> I can't process <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> You still haven't watched Better Call Saul. You owe me that, Jordan. I I, I want to watch it. Trust me. Uh, just let me get a full night of sleep <laughs> for one. <laughs> just uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid. I promise. I want to watch the show because I've heard so many good things, and I love Breaking Bad. I I really think maybe the scandalous. I think it's better than Breaking Bad. I've heard various opinions. Um, I mean, the fact that people can even compare them it has to be um, a really solid thing for Vince Gilligan. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. People, like because Breaking Bad is considered one of the best shows of all time, if not the best. So, oh, I think the writers on Breaking Bad were geniuses. Like all the stuff that they wove together was just extraordinary. Yeah. And actually, since we were talking about failure and stuff, the I, if you guys are fans of the show, I'd recommend watching how that show was even created because Vince Gilligan was trying to find work and um, he was having a really hard time and they were joking around and they said, hey, why don't we just sell meth in an RV or something? And, and the um, and then Vince Gilligan's like, can I take that? That could be a really cool concept. And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? And so it wasn't even him; it was his friend. He just asked permission. He's like, yeah, do what you want with it, and became Breaking Bad. Whoa! Actually, I read something. I think it was a TikTok with Vince Gilligan, and I think this is a really good point. Is he said a lot of people want to make work, artwork, whatever that is going to be popular. So they say, oh, look, Last of Us is so popular. It's about mushrooms and zombies. I guess people want me to make a zombie show. And he said, listen, you're going to fail because that's just the nature of the business. And if you're going to fail, you might as well fail doing something you're actually passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I agree. I agree. 
I mean, I don't have nearly as much tele- television working experience as someone like Vince Gilligan, but that's always been my philosophy is if you're going to do it, do it the way you want and have fun with it. Because at the end of the day, the only person who's going to have regrets is you. And um, I would rather, and because I'm so hard on myself, I'd rather not have those regrets. <laughs> Speaking of uh, zombies, who here is going to watch the season finale of Last of Us is tonight? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, like That's who funny. cried at the end of the last episode? Oh my god. Like <laughs> Are you going to Are you going to buy a PlayStation now, Claire, and play the game? No. I'm not that obsessed. <laughs> Plus, Pedro Pascal isn't that. in the game. That is true. That is true. He's not in the game. Well, we're watching Narcos, which is on Netflix, and Pedro Pascal is mm-hmm. in it. And uh, he's, he's really good. I love it. I love his voice. <laughs> I meant to... I, I actually started watching it. I never finished. Um... I think what, I think any show that has sub yeah Narcos I, I think any show that has subtitles in it will automatically make me like not watch it as much not because I don't like reading or something but because I tend to watch shows while I work <laughs> and if you gotta make me oh read, yeah work, you can't you, do that you're, you're you're yeah you're losing you're losing and I only speak English so yeah yeah that makes sense. They just need dubs for everything. They just need dubs for every show. <laughs> Gosh, this got really dark really fast, but I guess it's sort of a dark image anyway. I think it looks good. I like it. I don't know. I feel like it... it feels a little muddy to me right now, and I can't figure out if I just do the Clara thing where I just make everything dark to make that better. <laughs> Not sure. Jury's still out on that. I think I might work on the hair a little bit more because the hair needs more refinement with the texture of the hair. I think the main thing with me is I sure I like stuff like Breaking Bad and everything, but I love nonfiction. To me, when I know it's real, it, it's just oh. Same thing with books. Like I pretty much would always rather read nonfiction than fiction or fantasy or whatever. I like escaping reality. Sometimes it's just a little much hearing about everything. Yeah. Yeah, because like so. <laughs> I've mentioned this on on some of my streams, but um, one of the things about showing black characters in shadow boxes for me is because I noticed that a lot of films with like a black lead or a black main cast, it's 
mm-hmm. usually something about slavery or being in the hood or hip hop or something in that lifestyle. Not every situation, but I see it a but lot. It's common. And I'm like, really and I'm like, common. I'm really, I'm just like, I'm really tired of that. I'm very exhausted yeah. uh, of seeing that same thing repeat over and over. And so that's kind of where Shawbox just came from. Where I was like, I want to create a fantasy world with with that kind of with the things that i like that doesn't have to include slavery as a concept like yeah. that doesn't even exist in in my world at least not in the same uh realm that it happened in the americas right so it's it's a very different way of approaching things and then I, I just wish things were a little more varied sometimes well i feel like whenever somebody wins an academy award it's usually for something like that. And it, it's mm-hmm. frustrating. And it's sort of like, you know, a lot of Asian actors, they're always the martial arts people in the movie. And I'm like, you know, Asian mm-hmm. people do other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. That's why you got to create your own content. Exactly. It's hard to create your own content. And yeah, you are putting yourself out on a limb. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I've never understood how you could not want to make your own content. I, I just would be miserable if people told me, oh, draw this. That's what's trendy. You should do that. Like, I, I would just give up. I think there's a lot of reasons um, why people do it. I think one, because uh, it's fear. Um I think it has to do with uh, the resources because if you're talking about making a movie or, or an animation, and most people don't have a couple million dollars just lying around in their bank accounts yeah. to spend on, on something like that. So in those situations, you know, it's, it's like that saying beggars can't be choosers. And so a lot of people are willing to give up their, um, their whole soul of their project for the sake of, um, whatever uh, accolades or chances they might get otherwise. And that's a challenge. That's, it's really difficult. It is. Well, and the other thing too, I think about your own project, like you have to believe in it. If you are not a thousand percent in, it's like, if you're not super enthusiastic, how are you going to convince other people to be enthusiastic? Mm-hmm. You can't. Like it has right. to start with you and having that mm-hmm. belief that like, yes, I have something good. Yes, it can work. It's like, that's a big leap of faith. Yeah. And I mean, for, for, for me with my project, I've had to teach myself a lot of stuff, especially when it comes to writing and world building. And no one sat me down and taught me how to do that. I had to watch YouTube videos and just analyze the stuff I already knew and just put it together. And um, it's not easy at all. And so, I, yeah, no. it's just one of those things. Well, nobody thought art prof was a good idea when I started it. And I just had to push through that. It was really discouraging. I can imagine. Yeah, I, remember, I remember you telling us some stories about that back in the day. Yep. <laughs> but 
Martini says Hollywood movies have a long way to go to fix their issues with representing people of color. Oh, it's so bad. I mean, the only place where I think it's worse is art history. Art history is like, they're, they're starting to process that maybe people of color should be around. <laughs> if they haven't done much, I think it's a lot of window dressing, which is really frustrating. But yeah, the art, the art history people, come on, you guys, wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I honestly fell asleep in like all my art history lectures, so maybe I'm not as offended because <laughs> I, well, I, I wasn't paying attention either way. Well, but see, like art history doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be stuffy and white old men wearing tweed suits it, art history is incredible but it's like the way it's delivered is so big of a turnoff for a lot of people i th i think the best way for art history to be delivered would be in, in the context of what someone wants to work on um like if someone wants to build something or create something in this realm then i think that's when it becomes interesting because i've done a lot of research for my project specifically, because now uh, the need is coming up. But to just, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a general art history course or anything like that, but right. it, it definitely needs some adjustment to make it more interesting. Because I remember at RISD, like, that we all had this art history lecture and it happened in this auditorium where it seats a couple hundred people, maybe even a thousand, I don't know. And the first class, I remember that place was packed. It was all completely I know by the fifth and sixth classes you would see it maybe 30% full. And quite honestly, most of those people would fall asleep. I know, because you're in a dark room <laughs> with somebody left. Mm -hmm. I mean, who's not going to fall asleep? <laughs> I know I did every single time. And people were like, I why mean, don't what... you just go to your room and, and sleep? I was like, well, if I don't fall asleep, I want to be able to catch notes just in case. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it never, it never worked, though. Well, so the thing is, I just feel like art history is so narrow-minded. Like, how come they don't include animation in art history? Why don't they talk about film in art history? I mean, the only time they mention film, if it's like some contemporary artist who does a film in a performance piece or installation. And and that's that's my biggest problem. It's just, it's not inclusive of art forms that are just as critical. Yeah. And you know, I mean, this is something else for me. When I did take those film courses, um, we would watch these super obscure films that no one had ever heard of, but somehow won a trillion awards. Sometimes I wish that they had put in a film that we actually would recognize because those are the, because yeah. chances are we, those are the types of movies we want to make. You know, um, there, there was one movie I've been trying to figure out what it was for the last since like maybe 2014 because I, I took a film class and it was so boring it was a, it was a foreign film and it was all black and white and it had like 16 cuts in the film so there's a scene oh, in there God. where someone's walking to a well and it's at least a, like a half mile walk and he just shows him walking the whole way and then he's dealing with oh, some God. bandits or something and then once they leave, he turns around and walks back and it's another four minutes walking back and you're just watching him do this. And it was the most boring thing ever. I can't remember what the movie was, but 
It's probably for the better, honestly. Yikes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of it's just naughtiness. It's like, we can't talk about Disney. That's too popular culture. It is like, how could you not acknowledge the evolution of animation and right. how it's changed? And it, it just, it makes me mad. It's like trying to talk about the history of cars without mentioning Ford. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. really, how can you do that? Well, I, th I think there's this feeling that, oh, if it's popular, it must be bad. It must be trashy mm -hmm. because it's popular. Right. And I think that's obnoxious. Right. Yeah, I think that's annoying. <laughs> I don't like that mindset at all. So capital letter T and Shiki are asking what kind of brush markers. These are Tombow water-based brush pens. And actually, if you go down to the YouTube video description below, I do have, I should have, I hope I put it there, art supplies list and links in the YouTube video description below. Michelle says, I'm reading a book on the history of American Indian paintings and loving it. It's interesting to see it change over time, the methods used for achieving specific color. Yeah. Yeah, Martini says, oh my God, our history is so whitewashed. All the art history curriculums that was handed down to me teach featured almost no people of color. I had to go out of my way to incorporate people of color artists. Oh, we just skipped Asia and Africa. There's an Asia and Africa part of the art history text that we used. We just skipped it. <laughs> like People have no shame, Jordan, about just erasing whole continents from history. Yeah, it's lame. It's really, really lame. I, I remember having to take a specific course on um, African his, uh, art history at RISD. Um, and, 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 you know, on some level, I do appreciate it because the guy who was doing it was actually from Africa and he uh, he was an uh -huh. expert. So on some level, it's like, okay, that, that's probably the best you're going to get. <laughs> um, you know, someone who's actually from the continent yeah. and it knows the history, that's great. Um, but yeah, I do think that they could have split it up a little bit more. Um, but whatever's, whatever's. I feel like my drawing got really muddy. I should have stopped like a half an hour ago. <laughs> Isn't that how it always is? Shelby's asking, can you do more classes on ceramics? Well, if we wanted to do ceramics, it'd have to be something that's like a studio visit because the problem with ceramics is you need a kiln and most people don't have access to a kiln. So we really try to have stuff on the streams that people can do in a home studio. I mean, I'd love to. It's just that there's an accessibility issue because of the facility. So we would need to go to somebody else's studio to do that. And that gets very expensive very fast. Because you know what, Jordan? Most people are in a home studio. I mean, how many people do you know that can afford to rent a studio in addition to where they live? I don't know too many people, especially in, in my field. We all have home studios. <laughs> I have a home studio. It's just... It's just it. It's a desk and a and a Cintiq and some random pieces of paper that fly around everywhere. 
Well, so I used to always go to the open studios that was in Boston. There were all these neighborhoods and they'd have all these studios and it was really fun to go. But the other part of me, I go to these studios in like downtown Boston, which is not cheap, big spaces and all. The, and I'm like, how do these people afford this? I cannot process this. I mean, I don't know. There must just be some artists who are very well off. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's common. Probably not. Who knows? Especially in a big city like that, you know. Martini's asking air dry clay. Yeah, we do have many tutorials using air dry clay and plastiline. And really, everybody, the best way to find out if we have content on any given subject, because you know what? We probably do. <laughs> we have so much content. Go to artprof.org, use the search bar, just type in air dry clay, and those will pop up. Or if you just type into YouTube, artprof air dry clay, it will also pop up. So that's the best way, because I'm proud that most of the time we can direct people to a resource. <laughs> yeah i know that's been something we've uh been talking about i was like man what don't we have <laughs> yeah know? yeah i know that's so you know, that's that's exciting it's exciting well for me it feels really good because when we first started i'd get so many emails from people who would say i need to learn about this and how do i and the thing is it frustrated me because they'd ask me a really big topic like how do I get better at color? And I felt bad because I couldn't write an email <laughs> about how to do that. Mm, and now I can yeah. say, oh, okay, I recommend these streams. This is probably going to help you target what it is you're looking for. And that feels great. Yeah, for sure. Sarah says, looking for home art studio inspiration, if anyone knows of anything. I think what's important is to have good light wherever you are. I'm lucky I've got a big window, but if you don't have that, it is worth buying a nice light that can really illuminate the space. Because I find, especially if you're a painter, stuff like that really makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think light just even even if you don't need it for your work like for example i don't depend on light necessarily for to be able to see my work because i work digitally and if i work on paper it's just line work but just the having sunlight come inside my my room or my house or whatever makes me feel so much better about just life in general and i'm usually able to <laughs> work because of that okay I'm going to do one last pass. I mean, what I'm doing right now with the red, it's, it's almost like glazing. So if I was a painter, I'm just glazing something to make the colors a little bit more cohesive. By the way, everybody, please join us after the stream for a stage session in the Discord. That's where you get to chat with us on voice. So please join us. And we are also doing still a registration for March workshops. We have a couple of spots left in the merch and prints. 
couple spots left in the collage and mixed media experiments workshop. So if you want to get information on those workshops, go to the homepage of artprof.org. We have information there on registration. And Jordan, what is happening later tonight? Tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific, I'll be doing another Shadow Boxer stream. We're going to be doing some cool action poses of all of the favorites. Uh, so Javen, Atana, Kayla, all the characters that you guys know and love, we'll be doing that. And remember, everybody, we do have this awesome place, the Patreon group where you can share your art in weekly voice sessions. You can find support in a small group of artists. And I do all kinds of critiques and support and advice. It's for $20 a month. Hope you guys will consider that. And remember, we also have art prof services, artist calls, portfolio critiques, statement editing, and personal art curriculums. Please check that out. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.